The following pre-recorded program is paid for by Carlos Swanigan. Get ready to experience and receive the grace you long for from the heart of God. Welcome to Scandalous Grace with Carla Swanigan. Carla is an international speaker, minister, and engaging storyteller known for her transparency with an impactful testimony of how God has transformed her own life. Her desire is to connect you with the heart of God and the truth of how he really sees you. If you're hurt, if you're broken, if you yearn for God's love and acceptance, let the healing begin. Now, here's Carla Swanigan. Hello, friends. Welcome to Scandalous Grace, the show where we leave religion out of it and just bring Jesus. I am your host, Carla Swanigan. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm so glad that you're here. I have a great show for you today. This is going to be one um, that I know I'm going to look back on for many years, and it's going to be on my favorite episodes list for sure. I'm so honored today to have Jerry Ford in the studio. Jerry, welcome. Thank you. I'm so grateful that you've agreed to be on the show. Um, Jerry is actually one of my girlfriend's um, brother. Your Annie's older brother, yep. Annie and I have been um, friends forever. It seems like I met Annie through women's ministry when I was um, a pastor at a local church here in Colorado. And, and we've been close friends ever since. She's more like a sister to me than anything. Our birthdays are like, I think two months exactly apart. So um, we're really close and I love her. And I've, I've known of you, Jerry, and I've known just a tiny little bit of, of your story and your testimony um, of God's scandalous grace in your life, um, just through Annie, but I've only met Jerry, you guys one time, um, a few years ago, but I'm, I'm thrilled to have you here. I'm thrilled for, I'm thrilled to hear more of your story, but I'm also really excited for our listeners to hear your story, Jerry, because I know that it's going to impact so many people that deal with, um, brokenness, which is all of us, right? Yep. We were talking about before we came on the air about um, Celebrate Recovery and what a great ministry that is. And mm-hmm. I, I've been through that. I was a Celebrate Recovery leader for a long time. And, and you've been through that. We know a lot of people that, that have been blessed through that ministry. But, you know, this this is just a show that I think is so important for um, people that have struggled with any type of addiction and especially even friends and family members yeah. of people that um, have you know, somebody in their life that struggles with addiction and and how God can, can bring you through that and, and redeem it. So, um, I'm really honored to have you here today and I'm excited. So thanks for coming. So, um, yeah, if you just want to start Jerry, like tell us a little bit about like when you were growing up, how, how did you kind of land in the situations in your life that you've been through, like kind of where did it all start for you? If you, if you look back and kind of give us a, a synopsis of it. First of all, I was blessed enough to, to be raised in a real close family. It's awesome. Um, so through it all, they've always been there for me. Yeah. Um, but a lot of my struggles started when I was uh, first grade, second grade in, in school. Wow. I struggled with school automatically um, learning disabilities. You mm. know, it was uh, I think a, a big part of the struggles that I have today, you know, sure. is that uh, insecurity, I think, is, you know, always something that I never measured up. And, and then you start believing yourself then. You know, oh, yeah. And, you start believing the lie. Yeah, it is a lie. Yeah, that you're not enough. So many kids um, today struggle with um, feeling adequate. I know even my, my youngest son, you know, he's a senior in high school, Evan, and they have they he feels so much pressure to 
to compare himself to the other students and to do well and even please us as parents and please his teachers. And, and it's been a source, you know, of like anxiety in his life. And so I can imagine, you know, if you're struggling with the learning disability, how much more, you know, pressure that was on you and stressful that must've been for you. It was, it was his big time. A sports was in my life as a young kid. So that was a, that was a helpful balance. Oh, that's awesome. So that's one thing I did excel in. And yeah. so I know that that helped with, with the negative part of the, the learning process. So. Sure. So at what point do you feel like you turned to, you know, was it drugs? Was it alcohol for you? How did it start? I think a lot of it was my, uh, well, I had a great doctor, a great pediatrician, but I think there was the beginning of the medications that kind of help you out or level you out, even mm-hmm. as, as learning disabilities. Uh, I'm not blaming that, but there was a difference when the medication that I would take as regular, my mom would help me with, but, um, it made me feel better about myself. It made me, it would, um, increase, I guess the way I thought of myself. Yeah. Uh, And it did seem to help me. Yeah. But it was more that, that automatic feeling of, you know, going from struggling, thinking this little pill is going to help me. Yeah you know, with school and everything else. But and I I think that that's a, a key part of why the rest of my life continued in that direction. Yeah. So was that like elementary school or middle school when you started taking the meds? It would have been middle school. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was in middle school. And then that that led to drugs and alcohol for you or, or how did it kind of take that turn? I, again, it was, I think, peer pressure. Sure. I just hate throwing that out there, but I mean, it's, no, it's it is a, real. it's a real thing. It I mean, is. I remember even in high school, yeah. kids trying to get me to drink and stuff. I mean, it's peer, peer pressure is yeah. real just as much today, I think, if not more than it was when we were kids because we're close to the same age. Um, so you started drinking or um, smoking pot or, or what? Most of it was the beginning was alcohol. And we had family gatherings, family holidays and everything mm-hmm. else. So alcohol um, was usually around. And again, it didn't take much for me to learn that that would make me have more fun. So I thought and yeah, and uh, and get rid of the fear and all that kind of stuff. So sure, it was easy to not none of my family was just giving me drinks most of the time. I thought that they didn't recognize it or see me anyway. But yeah, um, it definitely made a big difference. Sure, know? sneak it, sneak in drinks here and there. Yeah, and were you like? Through high school, were you partying with friends? Like, give us a little glimpse of what high school was like for you. It was it was rough. I was struggling at you know education wise, big time there. And uh, but the, the alcohol it absolutely increased and starting to use marijuana and, and other drugs. Mm-hmm. I had a real good friend of mine that uh, that's the two of us were buddies, party buddies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we we hooked each other up. Yeah. It, it was always, but it was something that automatically I knew I wanted in my life. Yeah. So, so now you're, you know, you're in high school, you're using drugs, you're smoking pot, you're drinking. Like, did you already start having, did it get bad enough your addiction in high school that it started interfering with your life? Or did that come later when things, did things start to fall apart? Did you get in trouble in high school? Were there signs to you in high school that, you know, that maybe this was going to be a problem or did you kind of just breeze through like, I, I didn't want it to go away. I mean, I, I do notice the signs now, you know, as a parent myself now. And sure. Um, most of the time, I, I, I think it was whether my parents didn't want to believe that I was doing it or they weren't actually seeing what mm. I was doing. Yeah. Um, 
that that was something I wanted on a regular basis, though. Everywhere I went, um, it became a part of my of my regular routine. Wow! So your your addiction was really in full blown, you know, activity throughout high school. You would say. Oh yeah, yeah. I was the the funny guy, I guess. I always like to make people laugh. So yeah, you know, the the more impaired that I was, the less I would be afraid of what other people thought or sure. embarrassing myself. So right. Yeah. So would you say it? It just sounds like that you use the the drugs and the alcohol as kind of like your your coping mechanism Absolutely. for your insecurities that you mentioned earlier. Absolutely. Yeah. And as we get older, it's like those childhood insecurities seem to like rear their ugly head, you know, at the most inopportune time, or I mean, I guess for the enemy, the most opportune time, he, um, he likes to push on our soft spots. Yeah. You know, I had a friend on the phone the other day that was, I was sharing something that I was really struggling with and, um, an area in my life, you know, that just seems like it's a repeated place of, of, um, pain and, um, I don't know, difficulty in my life. And, and I was saying to her, I don't understand why this keeps happening, you know? And I said, I've, I've really done the work. I'm really trying hard to, to not have these kind of thoughts and to, to let myself have the mind of Christ and to, and to rethink the way that Christ sees me. So I'm not hearing those accusing voices in my head and those negative thoughts. Cause that's a struggle for me sure. is the, um, the accusing you're not good enough. Um, you made a huge mistake. You screwed this up, you know, and all that kind of bull crap. And I'm just like, I hate the enemy being able to get to me like that, even after all this time. And I don't understand why it keeps happening. And she's like, you know, it's like he knows he studies us, right? Absolutely. He knows what our soft spots are. And she said, just like a baby, when they're born, they have that little soft spot on their skull that, you know, the doctors tell you, be careful because the skull's not completely finished here yet. So this is their soft spot and you have to be careful until, until they mature and, and the skull finishes growing. And she's like, that's what's going on. He knows what your soft spot is and God's working it out. It is growing and it's getting stronger, right. you know, but in those times, like for me the other day, and also like you're mentioning in high school, it's, it's really hard when, and he hits us with those insecure things or those triggers. And especially if you were still in school and trying to, you know, compare to your classmates and, and keep up. You are, it sounds like looking for those coping mechanisms to oh, make absolutely. you feel better, yep. you know, and kind of numb the pain. It sounds like it helped me with all kinds of things, just socializing, you know, mm. the fear went away of not worrying about what other people thought. And I had a big problem with that. I mean, it didn't take much for me to get offended, not offended as much as the pain. Sure. It just So as long as I was, you know, in a comfortable place in my own head. Um, again, I was kind of the jokester and, yeah. and it was, I'd rather people laugh at me because I'm doing something like that than to right. go the other direction. So yeah, I kind of took on that role. Yeah. And that happens to, I think so many people, um, especially those of us who struggle with insecurities and, and feel less than, and yeah, we turn to things, um, as our coping mechanisms, um, self-soothing, right. you know, and, um, just also, I mean, for me in my own life and I'll, I'll just speak for myself, um, when I used to drink, it was to numb the pain, right. you know, and like you were mentioning, I used to call it, take the edge off. Yeah. If I was going somewhere where I was nervous or I was scared, you know, that what people were going to think of me, like you mentioned, I, I would be like, Oh, I got to, I, I need to have a glass of wine before I go, you know? And I would say to myself, it's just one glass. It's just to take the edge off. Right. And I, for me, the, I came to learn that it, it wasn't the problem of having a glass of wine with dinner or having the occasional drink for me. 
I was using it as a crutch always. And it's, you know, like you, instead of turning to the Lord and saying, Hey, I'm feeling anxious. Give me peace. I was turning to, you know, a bottle of wine and saying, Hey, I'm feeling anxious. (laughs) Give me peace, you know? And, and that's not how you're supposed to do it. right? Right. Um, that's not the option. So, all right. So let's pick back up in your story. Um, I can so relate to everything you're saying, by the way. Um, and I think so many of our listeners will be able to, too. And those that, that have never felt this way, that have never struggled with these types of insecurities, they have people in their lives that do. And they have people in their lives that, that look to other things as their crutch. And, you know, I think all of us have some kind of idol that sometimes we put in front of the Lord instead of turning anything that we turn to first instead of the Lord really is an idol in our life. We're, we're putting it above where it should be because only God should be what we turn to first. Absolutely. So, um, I think people can so relate to what you're saying. So I want, I want you to share more of your story. So now you're an adult, you're at a, at a high school kind of pick us up. I mean, did you get married young? Um, tell us a little bit about, tell us about that. I actually had an opportunity to to play a little football at the University of Arkansas. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, I had a coach here locally that was helping me out. I'd already been out of school, Mm -hmm. and it was one of those once-in-a-million type offer things. Um, So I ended up moving and going to college at the University of Arkansas for a little bit. That's crazy. I'm from Mississippi, so I didn't know that about your story. That's wild. I went to Mississippi State. All right. So so you're you're in Arkansas. I'm in Arkansas, and uh, things were going well there. It was actually... Uh, I think with the coaching, with the friends that I had, uh, there was a time for the the party thing, but it was mostly um, a lot of working out, a lot of, you know, trying to stay in school. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of other things that started taking place there that, that helped me Yeah. Uh, as far as my addictions. Um, uh, but the time that I was there, I ended up meeting uh, my ex-wife. Uh, she went to the University of Arkansas. We met in FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Oh, wow. And... Um, yeah, I was uh, fell in love with that girl pretty quick, <laughs> and um, but we um, we ended up choosing to to get married. Uh, we were probably together a little over a year, year and a half, something mm-hmm. like that. And uh, so the opportunity came, and I was thrilled for that. Yeah, that opportunity. So, so y'all got married in college. Out, yeah, we left early, but yeah. So you you were in FCA when you said when you met her. So that means that. You got saved oh, when yeah. you were young. So before we, I'm going to jump around a little bit, Jerry, because <laughs> your, your story is so meaty. I want to, I want to get to all of it, but, um, tell us like how you came to know the Lord. It sounds like when you were young, just tell us that part of your story first. We I had a, the pastor at this church that we went to was an ex Marine and he was this kind of your, what you think of a Marine, yeah. you know, next Marine. Yeah, uh, the, as soon as you he, said that, I was like, whoa. Yeah, the physical, <laughs> the, the the way he preached and everything else. But I, I liked him as a kid. Yeah. A lot of people were scared of him, but I really liked him. And uh, it was uh, Easter time, I guess it was. And, and Bible, or little um, church for the kids, what I'm trying to get to. Um, like vacation Bible school? Yeah, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And talking about accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Things started coming together for me i remember that and i remember when they had the the invitation for for that and then also being baptized so yeah i went home that night and, and talked to my parents said i wanted to get baptized and i wanted to ask jesus into my life oh wow so um and again that was grade school yeah early grade school yeah. so but um so you you were walking you knew the lord since you were really young just yeah. like your sister i mean she's she said the same thing when she 
got saved when she doesn't remember, like, honestly, not knowing the Lord. She's always loved the Lord her whole life, you know. So that's a a beautiful family legacy that you guys have, you know, of having all those years and that foundation with the Lord. Okay, so now you're in college. You're married. You met your wife. You guys have kids. We have three kids. Okay. I have a granddaughter now. Oh, wow. So, yeah, yeah, my kids are, are everything to me. That's beautiful. So did you find that your addiction started causing issues in your marriage? How, how describe, give us a picture of what your addiction looked like during those years. I mean, were you drinking every day? Were you using, kind of give us a picture of, of where and how bad it got for you. The beginning of our marriage, it went real well. I mean, Mm -hmm. as far as work was concerned, everything was just falling into place. And to be honest, there was a, a few years that in that period that I was sober from alcohol, at least. Oh, wow. Um, again, using prescription medication to help me think better or yeah. to feel more comfortable, whatever the case was. But I found myself abusing those. But the sobriety part with the heavy drugs and the alcohol had really came to a stop for the first couple of years of our marriage, mm-hmm. two or three years of our marriage. So um, my oldest son was born. Uh, we've been married for a little over a year. And um, that's, you know. The beginning of the great stuff in my life was my kids. You know, my yeah. kids are everything to me. Yeah. And so then, you know, what happened to kind of like bring an end to your marriage? Would you say that that it was the addiction? Well, definitely. It definitely was. And the same insecurities. You grow up, you get older, but the same things with your job or whatever the case may. I always felt that I was... uh I was just way behind than mm-hmm. the rest of the people, coworkers. Nobody deliberately was doing that, but that's in my own head. Yeah, it was a war zone, and uh, if I wanted to go faster, then I—that's when I started using and finding drugs that would help me go faster. And of course, once you go so fast, then you got to take something to help bring you down. And um, that seemed like there for a while, alcohol was just a normal thing. Yeah, like but, a daily. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I definitely. I call it the fishbowl effect. I was up on this table in a round fishbowl, and I, you could just, the things of life, I could just start seeing fall apart. Mm. I was almost, if God was warning me or oh, yeah. trying to show me or get my attention, um, but definitely our relationship together started falling apart. Um, yeah, I, 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 that's that's when things started getting ugly. Yeah. You know? And then... We uh, we lived in Colorado for a little bit and and uh, ended up filing for divorce. And I think that probably wrecked me about as much as anything I've ever gone through in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, thought I could maintain. I thought I could get healthy. Thought I would actually grow up someday. Yeah. And uh, but uh, it didn't it didn't go that way. How long were you guys married before you um, got divorced? I want to say my memory's not so good, but uh, we had eight or nine years, I think. Mm-hmm. Nine years. Right. Of marriage. So it. Blew up your marriage, the addiction, pretty much. And then would you say that it just went downhill from there? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as I moved out and and got my own place, then, you know, she was taking care of the kids. I got the kids on the weekend. And Mm -hmm. uh, where I worked, I worked a lot of hours. Uh, was in the oil field. So, but, um, yeah, every chance that I had to have the kids, she would allow me to have them. Yeah. And uh, that made things rough. Uh, just because my at that point in time, I was definitely fully engaged with with my addiction. So. Yeah. So so you say you were fully engaged with your addiction. So you are like 
drugs, alcohol, everything. You name it, I was doing it. Yeah, and your and your life is like falling apart around you at this time. No. Um, how did you get back on track? How did you get healthy? I. It's really not that even that long ago. I I um. I ended up losing my job. I ended up, you know, losing the, the being able to have my kids on the weekends because it was going so far out of control. I, I know for a fact now where I am in my life that Jesus never left me. Yeah. And um, yeah, I know that it's by His grace, you know, that I'm I'm saved and and mm. that I'm actually alive today. Yeah. Um, I took turns. I tried taking my life. Wow. Uh, and I uh, was trying to pretty much just kill myself with the drugs and alcohol if I didn't have the guts to actually follow through with the other. Right. And uh, that's, yeah, it's rock bottom for yeah. me at that time. And we all eventually get there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I think so many people can relate. But I want you to share with everybody, like, where you're at now and what you're doing. You're in Colorado Springs at the rescue mission. Is that right? That's where I work. Yeah. Okay. I, Went through their program and uh, what's I their program missed, called? The New Life Program. Okay. And uh, it's a year long program for alcoholic addicts. And um, my uh, my mom found out about this place for me when I was, you know, down in the dumps. But uh, that's what uh, really started changing my life was they. It's uh, faith based, obviously, and mm-hmm. and uh, learned a lot about Jesus at that time and what He meant to me and what He did for me and what He's going to do for me. Yeah. Uh, just being a being a part of my life every single day is it's going from just knowing who God is or thinking you know yeah to I depend on him with every breath you know amen to that and how long have you been sober right now I'm gonna be this this time around I'm gonna be two years here November 11th praise God so I got two yeah. years in. good for you man so that's so awesome and you're helping other men in the program right you're Absolutely. leading you're a mentor I I work there, but basically I do a lot of listening. So sit in my office and they so unload good. on me and whatever the case may be. That's so beautiful. So and then I work with the uh, the homeless uh, a couple other nights during the week oh, in the shelters great. itself. So yeah, there's such a need for that um, right now, always, but especially right now. So I love the way that that God's grace has moved and worked in your life and. Um, Thank you for sharing with us, oh, you know, what you, you went through. And I love how you said, you know, that God was always with you. He never left you. And mm-hmm. that's what I want to remind people of today, that you're a walking testimony of God's faithfulness mm-hmm. and his goodness. And so, like I said, I'm just real honored that you would share with us. And I'm real proud of all the, the stuff you're doing down in Colorado Springs and, and that new life program. I've heard great things about it. That's such a blessing. So, um, I'm going to pray for people right now, Jerry. So, um, Lord God, I just thank you for everyone listening. Father, I pray for those that are struggling even right now with addiction of any kind. Lord, I pray that they, that you would set the captive free. I just pray for deliverance and freedom right now in Jesus name from any addiction of any kind. Lord, no matter what it looks like, I just, I just speak freedom to them right now in Jesus name. And Lord, you always tell us and you say in the word that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. I thank you so much. Um, for all the people that like Jerry are going to overcome 
because of your blood, Jesus, and also because of him sharing his testimony today. And I just pray that as people hear this, that they just realize that they're overcomers and you just break off addiction, Lord. You break off any, um, any brokenness that came along with the addiction, Lord. I pray that you would stop the lies that the enemy is speaking to them right now and that you would speak your truth about their identity, Lord, that they would not be driven by their insecurities. They would not be led by their fears, Lord, that they would be led by your truth and your Holy Spirit. I thank you, God, that like Jerry said, you're always there with us. You never leave. You are faithful, faithful, faithful. And Lord, I pray for the friends and family members of those that are struggling with addiction, that they would um, continue to lift their friends and family up in prayer and you would strengthen them. And then you would bring those prodigals back to you, Jesus. I pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, healer and deliverer. Amen. Amen. Thank you again, Jerry. Thank you. And thank you guys for tuning in. You can find out more about the show and hear past episodes at scandalousgraceradio.com. And remember, leave religion out of it and just bring Jesus. We hope you were blessed by today's episode of Scandalous Grace with Carla Swanigan. Please go to scandalousgraceradio.com to listen to podcasts, see where Carla will be speaking, and to find out about all of Carla Swanigan ministry resources, including her video devotional series. Scandalous Grace with Carla Swanigan is a listener-supported radio ministry outreach. We depend on your prayers and donations. Please go to scandalousgraceradio.com for ways you can partner with Carla in reaching listeners with God's love and grace. And please join us again every Monday at 1 p.m. for Scandalous Grace with Carla Swanigan. On Denver's 94.7 FM, The Word.